And we're live. Um, hello, everybody at the What Not Elephant and Castle Facebook community. I'm Nick from Ringtime. And joining us once again is Graham Doddridge. Graham is a, an old friend of mine. Oh, he's not an old, he's a friend who I've known for a long time. Um, who is I'm a little bit older than you, Nick. So yeah. Just a little, I, little bit older. I, I totally uh, accept that. Yeah. Um, Graham, you're the chairman of a, an amazing B2B agency called Silver. You um, you have a couple of foundations, Staff Foundation, which is a, a beautiful organization. You you also help Imps Motorcycle Display, uh, which we're going to talk a little bit about today. You also have a board game called Crunch Time. And I can't think of a better time to talk about that, too. So um, there's could be some things that we, we get through uh, today in 45 minutes. As you know, it kind of flies by. Um, but can you just reintroduce yourself to everybody, even though I've given you a bit of an introduction? Okay, so I'm Graham Doddridge. I'm 57. I live in the Cotswolds with my family, wife and three children, two boys and a girl. They're just going through university and starting out on their journey. Uh, I started a company called Gyro back in the early 90s. Um, sold my stake in it in the early noughties. Started another agency called Silver um with offices it, all, all across the uk and texas um and we do b2b marketing um so i'm just repeating all the things nick just said i did so uh that's kind of that's kind of me i'm a keen motorcyclist keen gardener keen cyclist i was out on the mountain bike before the heat got too high today um trying to keep fit but 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 uh ne never uh, never as slim as I'd like to be, given given the volume of food that overcompensates for the amount of exercise I do. Uh, but no, life's life's pretty good, and I keep pretty busy. You do. I keep an eye on you too. Through I'm constantly inspired and also in awe of the places that you go, the people that you meet, the things that you do. You're always busy doing stuff, and I, and I think that yes, you're you're right. You you know you you've worked very hard to get where you are, where you can kind you can kind of look at philanthropy i suppose or or giving back as as really something that's at the core of you that's what i've seen for the last five years of 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 us being reacquainted is that you do a lot to give back and you you know the reason why we're re, re to having this other talk because i know the last time we talked about kind of the agency world but uh we i want to kind of talk to you about ims motorcycle display um which is a charity set in east london and hack it's got this beautiful history that's been around since the 60s and 70s um, and I saw a post, you know, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I thought, why don't we get you on and talk about, you know, M's motorcycle display? Because, you know, you think about charities nowadays, you don't really think about motorcycle displays. Um, and the fact that these people have been around for 60 years and, um, and, and doing incredible work. So can you, can you give us an idea of what M's motorcycle display does, its history, um, and how you got involved? Well, uh, I suppose it, it, you've uh, talked about the M's, but, and, and you also, uh, pre preface preface that by suggesting um, that in the last five years I've sort of discovered philanthropy. But no, no. I only I, said, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but the truth of the matter is, um, I volunteered to become a watch leader for a thing called Pankney Adventure Holiday Project when I was eleven back in nineteen seventy five. And so Roy Pratt, MBE, who currently runs the Imps Motorcycle Display Team, which is a children's charity, uh, was born out of the Hackney Adventure Holiday Project. And my school in Cheltenham raised some money for the Hackney Adventure Holiday Project at the, at the annual fate. And then the bursar for the Imp Start Trust 
uh, came onto the stage and asked if anyone would like to be a watch leader to volunteer their time to give children to help lead teams of children through the summer holidays uh, to give them an adventure holiday in the countryside this is in the days before pgl holidays and so on so i immediately stuck my hand up i thought the prospect of uh, running wild in the woods and uh, doing boys stuff and uh, leading a team of uh, kids from hackney and east london would be a great caper so i along with about six or seven of the grammar school boys where i went volunteered and so uh, for the next five years, after some intense training weekends in, in Hackney and Southend and stayed on HMS Discovery when it was moored in the Thames, I was sort of qualified to lead a team of children my own age. So for six weeks of each year, uh, for, for six weeks of eight, for six for the six week summer holiday each year, I had six teams of children that arrived on grey green coaches. There was an eight in my team each week. I had a day off each week when we cleaned toilets, changed beds, that sort of thing. And for the other six days, I was leading the team from Revalley through to Lights Out, um, uh, taking them to get their food getting them to wash the food up, carrying the dishwater bowl to our table. And it was all kind of, you know, I mean, the 1970s here, nothing's laid on. You have to you have to work to make it happen. And it was a really, really good uh, experience of voluntary work at a very young age on my part. And, and that I, I I when I went off to art school, it, it sort of got a bit forgotten. 17, 18 other interests took over um, and um, but I always lamented and remembered what a great uh, feeling it was to help people. Um, and 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 25 years later, I got back in touch, which was going back uh, about 16, 17, 18 years now with Roy, who I was amazed to find was still running the imps, um, which came out of the Hackney Adventure Holiday Project. Some of the kids found an old motorcycle. They said, Roy, can we ride it? He said, if you can make it go. You can ride it. They being East End children took about 10 minutes to clean the spark plug, get the thing, hot wire it and off around the field. They're going on this motorcycle and the farmer next door said they can keep it. So that's how it came about. And then roll on a couple of years, Roy, in order to attract children to come to a holiday camp in the country, uh, uh, had a motorcycle at Upton House School and Hackney Dow School to excite children say yeah, if you want to come to the countryside some of these kids had never left inner city london in their whole lives didn't know what a cow was never seen one so hey come to the country ride a motorbike have some fun and and they did some figures of eight with three or four bikes and the next thing you know the head of hackney marsh's annual show asked them if they put on a display Roy took it up a notch, started using some of his military background, and before you know it, red tunics, everyone, and 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 bikes that seemed to match. And then Soishiro Honda, another by chance meeting, sent a film crew over to the UK, and they filmed the imps. And three months later, 20 Honda XL125s turned up, courtesy of Soishiro Honda. So uh, and then and then I got back involved about twenty years ago. The Honda deal had been running for nearly thirty years, well, twenty odd, twenty plus years, and that had come to an end. And so I stepped in to try and help raise the profile and um, you know keep the thing going. I, I'm interested to know about the relationship with the motorcycle because you know again you think about um, you know charities and, and getting people um, out of inner inner London to the countryside, maybe to 
see a horse or a cow or get in touch with nature or do some meditation. Um, I'm, I, I was involved, like I got my first 125 when I was 18 years old. Um, it was a little Kawasaki 125, me and my cousin got them. And I was, I just had this relationship with a bike right away. Like it was just very unique, you know, far different than, than a car. And I'm interested to know like how that, the, the what a role the relationship with the motorcycle has been with the charity, with the children, um, and, and why it makes it so unique. Well, I, th I think the, the first thing to say is motorcycles are exciting. Um, the team is open to all, so boys, girls, um, and uh the the uh, i think i think you know you are it gives you a freedom doesn't it and it's you know there's there's all sorts of connotations from steve mcqueen jumping fences to uh to uh, well i mean the, the it's the it's the easy rider you know the the uh henry fonda hitting the road um so so i, th I think that you know motorcycling is a it's a and i'm a motorcyclist as keen today as i will, ever was uh, like you have my first one two five because that was you know in the days biking was uh, a cheap way to get about whereas uh, now it would seem that most parents you know will help their child to get a car uh you know because motorcycles are considered dangerous and of course they they can be dangerous in the wrong hands and there's plenty of wrong hands out there um smashing them they're smashing bikes up but then car drivers are the same sort of thing i think i think what the imps why, where the imps is unique is because it teaches real discipline and control and uh it gives children the ability to work as a team in a disciplined environment to put on really quite spectacular shows and it's also given them uh, a chance to travel and see the country and on occasion go to international tattoos there's one in norway in september so so the team has been pretty prolific in terms of helping children who would otherwise not get to see beyond where they live to experience a little bit of the world and over the years about 1600 2000 children have been through the imps but we mustn't forget that their families get involved and every imp has maybe a couple of siblings and a couple of parents who who want to experience and be part of the uh, experience of their child growing up through the imps as well so again we can expand that family of the imps over the years to to thousands maybe ten thousand people who've had their lives impacted by this um, we recently we recently shot a film at the imps base um uh interviewing school teachers some of the kids some of the parents some of the chaperones and and actually it was amazing how passionate they were about how vital this service is in their community um which is newham now and uh how how stressed uh, charities have been through the pandemic and how difficult it is to 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 you know keep keep going in the, in the current environment really um you know a lot of their income came from doing county shows which of course for two years were obliterated and, and even now they're still struggling to get back on their feet so um so i've got together with a few uh friends of mine to uh we we've come up with a scheme called buy a bike so we've been asking companies and we continue to ask companies to buy a bike um effectively it's a charitable donation and uh in exchange for the very generous gift of 2970 pounds we will put your name on the side of uh one of the brand new motorcycles 
and uh, we'll also put your company logo and your name on the side of the lorry, should you wish. Some of the very generous donors want to remain anonymous, so in which case uh, they can come up with a, with a name for the bike, which could be anything you like. Um, and so we've got 11 uh, commitments, uh, and we, we've been, had 11 donations for, for a fleet of 18 bikes. So we're, we are seven shy, and we have a phone call tonight to see how we can raise the next seven. And if your podcast can help, if anyone out there uh, knows somebody who would like to donate uh, to our buy a bike scheme in exchange for having the name or logo on one of the new bikes when they come in September, we'd be very, very pleased to hear from them. Yeah, well, obviously this this live goes out to the Southwark area in in London, and I'm sure there will, there will be some people. Uh, and at the end of it, we'll put some details in, in the Facebook feed for people to be able to try to, to get in touch with you, for people to be able to get in touch with you if they're if they're interested in in, in helping out with a bike. But as you were speaking, Graham, um, and and it's got kind of two avenues I want to go down. <clears throat> I want to talk more about charities and the importance of. of of giving even in times of austerity, but also is this kind of, as you were talking about the motorcycle, I'm just gonna lean forward and grab this book. And it's this book that I've been reading called Iron John. And uh, it'll flip the other way, right? I, I don't know if you'll be able, yeah. And it's about rites of passage. And as you were talking, it reminded me of when I got that Kawasaki 125 uh, up in Doncaster when I moved over here. and. Me and my cousin, we started tinkering around with them and taking the exhausts off and taking out the washers and trying to make them a little bit faster. And it, we were getting our hands dirty. And then we would go into the forests and ride these bikes. And sometimes they'd fall over and some, we'd have to pick them up. But it was this thing of like, it was almost like a rites of passage, like from being a child, you know, to then all of a sudden be given this piece of equipment that, you know, can go 50, 60 miles an hour and you need to look after it. You need to make sure there's gas and oil in it. And it makes me wonder about nowadays, you know, uh, as, as I've got three young men in my life, as a, as a, a bonus dad, I'm looking at, at ways where <clears throat> young children have these rites of passage where they can, you know, find an interest, you know, that can get them out of all of the things, the, all the, the social media and sitting online and playing video games and get them out of themselves to in an environment where they're actually doing something that is quite grown up, you know? And it gives them this right to passage. How can, can you relate to that when you were like 11 to 18, when you started getting involved in this? Uh, I think so. I, I saw it as an escape from a small village that I'd grown up in. Uh, not, not that I was looking to particularly escape, but I, I wanted to see a bigger world out there and, and to meet people who weren't from my local community. And uh I think I think the era that you're describing, the 70s and 80s, the the one two for the the fizzies, the 50s, the FS1E Yamahas, and all those little bikes that we we all had in that period of time, that was probably quite a unique and relatively small window when the Japanese uh, big four, Kawasaki, Suzuki, Yamaha, and Honda, were all competing and bringing out these little bikes and. You know, I think I think probably in the 50s and 60s, children of 17 probably didn't have access to that BSA Bantam 125s. Maybe their dad did, um, mm. but but I think the 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 um, democratization of of uh, of small motorcycles was something that was unique to our generation, really. Um, and I think that subsequently has gone away a little bit because of safety concerns. And our generation, being the the next parent 
for the parents for the next generation are saying, oh, no, they were really dangerous. We enjoyed it, but we the roads were quieter, arguably. The population was far less. And so now, you know, we're saying, oh, no, you've got to drive a car for, I mean, we they're all in our houses. You get your driving license, you drive for five years, and then um, and then come motorcycling on the green lanes with that at the weekends, just as a reason to get the kids to come home off the uh, scattered, you know. But, um, you know, I, I, I think for, for for the children that live in the high knife prime area of Newham, and I'm sure Southwark has its issues as well, um, the Imps is a, is a, sanct a sanctuary where they can go um, a two-acre tarmac site behind um, closed high fences where they're safe and secure and they can be kids once again you know i, I think uh, it's very tough for child living in in east london now and uh and in a lot of parts of the country so um as tough now as it's ever been if not tougher in some cases so i think to have to off be able to offer this sanctuary has been a is an incredible is an incredible service and that's why the imps must continue they might, and as a charity, you know, and as we, I found that text I sent you last night, that was the one thing that really hit me is that, you know, we're in a time of austerity now. We're in a time where people are, are, are really, is it, is it an extra, like, is it food or is it you know, gas and electricity? They're making choices. So it's a really tough time for charities, but more than giving, uh, uh, you know, the benefit of giving the money to the charity, what, like I've always found when I give of myself, even if it's a small amount, I get a lot back. You know, if it's if it's two pounds to, you know, Oxfam when they're you know the the chuggers the on the on the street, um, whether it's just that that two pounds or is the feeling that I'm actually contributing to my community, and um, you know I think that like, you know they say if you really want to be part of a community you start start helping out with charities you know to make sure you donate blood, you know shop local all these all the things that I'm really interested in in building community, um, so it's it's not really about the money it's the sense of feeling part of a community to be able to contribute and, and i find that trying to talk to people about how important it is to be able to contribute to charities it's it's, it's a two-way street it's a, it's as beneficial to the charity as it is to you feelings that you you get and be feeling part of something part of a community so i suppose this is what i want to ask you is like how important it is is it to be able to to keep giving to to charities even though we're in a time of austerity well, I think you've made uh, several really good points there, Nick. Well, the first one is um, you, you, it's not always about uh, monetary uh, fiscal donations. You know, it's not about necessarily putting money in into the hand of somebody who wants some money. It's about giving of yourself. Uh, my One of my greatest inspirations is my wife, Trish. Wow. Trish is a pillar of our community. She works three days a week for an organization called Homestar, which helps mothers that can't cope with children under the age of five. And so she's airlifted into some quite, you know, tr troubled scenarios often, sometimes not so bad, just, just can't cope. And sometimes, uh, you know, more, more challenging environments where there's real difficulty. And, and, uh, her role really is to is to mentor and befriend and to support uh, women that can't cope, and she can only do that because she's mentally strong and she's she's one of life's great givers and a real community minded person. Um, and I think that's a gift and a privilege. And uh, and I would think she would probably agree. Or I don't want to put words in her mouth, but I, I definitely, from my own heart, believe that 
uh, been very privileged from from day dot, and and it's only right that I can do what I can to help those around me who would be in need of my help. Um, you can, you know, you can, and you, uh, I, I, uh, I know I don't uh, forego too much in terms of my own time on a motorcycle and uh, my own lifestyle to. Uh, you know, I don't, I'm not walking in bare feet, so you know, I don't, I don't want to overbuild the part. But, but I think it is a very, uh, a very rewarding thing to do to be able to help people in any way that you can. And, and, the, and the, I think it, you know, it's if you're a mechanic and you can help repair the bikes. If you're a, a designer mm. like me, perhaps then you can help put together a little campaign. Or if you know people, then you can get people involved. Then that, then you can use your gifts to help to help others who, and and they can learn from it. We're all, the trouble is, right? We don't live in the village anymore. We live in a transient world where where people can can be very quickly disenfranchised. Um, I do happen to live in a small village. I lived in London for 20 years and moved back to a small village like the one I grew up in because I value all of my neighbours and the centre and the heart of the village and the support that a village gives. Um, my, my, the CEO of Silver, Alison Masters, it, uh, has a really lovely expression which I like, which is it, it takes a village to raise a child. Um, and I think that's so often lost, particularly in big urban communities, um, you know, and so that's where maybe the pimps is a village. Yeah. Well, as you, I mean, as you know, that's why I named my business Ruby Tribe was right. because it was living in a, in a big city, feeling very isolated, very millions of people, but feeling like a silo of just me. And I've got to sort out all my own problems and I was so isolated. And it was in that isolation that all these you know, other mental health challenges started and, you know, reliance upon alcohol as a coping mechanism and, and, you know, getting into some very dangerous places because I just didn't have anyone around me to keep me accountable or to call me on my BS. And whether you're in the big city or in, in a village, we can, we still have the ability to connect on a human level. And I think that for me, what happened was in my journey was that when I started to give others with no, where it wasn't um, an exchange, where I wasn't giving to you for something back, that all of a sudden the purpose started to grow and having very low self-esteem from a very young age, all of a sudden I started to feel some self-esteem when I gave to others with no expectation of anything in return. And I think that's why charity is so important because not only are we helping others, but we're actually building some purpose and self-esteem in ourselves where we can all of a sudden you know, we might be going to work for a paycheck or we might be, you know, coaching a, a, a little league team or we might be doing something. We're getting something back from those exchanges, you know? Um, whereas when we're giving to a charity where there's no expectation of anything return, it starts to fill us inside in a nice, in a nice way. And I think, you know, um, again, that's part of my journey is when I started to give to others with no expectation of anything return, things started to happen. So I do urge anybody you know, at, at some level to, to get out of themselves and to start either, like you say, you can do some volunteer work with a charity. You can, you know, um, go and help with the mechanics. You, I, I think, what was your role when you were a younger child as well? You were a, uh, when, uh, with the imps? You, when you I, I, I was a watch leader with watch the Hector Holiday Project, yeah. Yeah, there are all these beautiful roles out there for people to be able to fill that, that can help them you know, get into some life of community and connection. And I think that's vital. 
I, th I think that I think that uh, we live in a uh, there, there are millions of very wonderful volunteer uh, people. Sometimes people are uh, are care workers, voluntary care workers to a to a relative. Sometimes they are voluntary care workers to a neighbour. I think that I think that we live in a society, a global society of really caring and. Uh, you know, I'm a big humanist. I've got big faith in humanity. Uh, I just, it's unfortunately, unfortunate that some of the governors who rule the world are not so charitable in their spirit, and uh, and that can, can create all sorts of issues for for everybody. But I think on a on a individual level, uh, British people, Europeans, the whole global community. I mean, you'll never go traveling anywhere in the world and have a door closed in your face. People all over the world will welcome you in for a, for a bowl of soup. And I would hope that's the same in the UK as it is elsewhere. I, I fear maybe not quite as ready, ready as, uh, as as maybe elsewhere. But, but um, you know, I think it's, uh, I think we, we people are fantastic and they, they've got a lot of capacity to give and to support one another. I should mention at this point that um, in, in this buy a bike campaign, I've uh, I've uh, dragged in uh, the help of uh, of uh, Charlie Borman, and Charlie is a is a, as you, as you may know is a, well he is star of the television show with you and McGregor, the long way up was the last one, and then they did the long way down, and then the one before that was the long way round. Um, and he is a an actor in his own right. He's uh, his father, John Borman, is a very accomplished actor. Uh, uh, director, sorry, Charlie's a great actor, but he more than anything else, he's an in, he's such a lovely guy, so very enthusiastic, so into motorcycling, and I couldn't think of a greater ambassador for our buy a bike campaign. So Charlie's uh, really dropped his shoulder as well to help us, and, and a couple of weeks ago launched the campaign at the Imp Space uh, to some press and to some of the donors who've come on already. So um, just wanted to throw that in there as well. He's, uh, that's guy. all that's all good i i was i, I was gonna say cool. I, I did two see him name, on the... two more name checks as well yeah, drop, drop, um, drop. yeah so so uh andy steven longtime friend of mine uh whose family trust has donated to us the last 15 years always comes to him's events with me supports us has helped with websites and all sorts of things along the way uh very great supporter who's also bought one of the bikes and also a guy called jamie waller friend of mine who um, was a former imp himself, who has donated very generously over the last five years uh, to keep the team going, um, a very successful business person. Um, so, you know, there, there is, there's a lot of people involved in keeping the imps going and supporting it as well. And then of course, big shout out to Roy, who's, uh, who's been there since the year dot. He founded the imps 52 years ago um, and he's, unbelievably and remarkably still running the show and uh still performing great shows around the world um, as i mentioned earlier norway in september i saw the video that you made and he looks like quite a character oh yes indeed and uh and just to donate given his you know he's he's given his whole life to yeah He's a welfare, even at this, uh, uh, even now, he is a welfare officer at Cubitt's Town Road in the Isle of Dogs and uh, gives off all his spare time to running this voluntary service to, to help the community. Incredible.
quite a man. And, and as you were talking to before we, we we talked about Charlie there, and you you were you were talking about you being a someone who believes in humanity. And I too, when I, you know, you just look at the the amazingness and the love that can come from humanity. And when we just kind of forget about the borders, we forget about the politics, we forget about the education, we forget about um, uh, bureaucracy and the corporate world, all of the systems, I suppose the three pillars and systems like, you know, education, politics and the corporate world um, are all systems that we live in. And, um, and um, when humanity is, I mean, they seem like systems that no longer serving us. And I think that when um, when humanity can unplug from those systems and just be humans together, um, we can accomplish amazing things. Indeed. Yeah. Here's which, an uh, human. Here's my mother. Hello, mom. There she is. How was the ice cream this morning? <laughs> <laughs> she enjoyed yeah. it. Good. Amazing, amazing woman. Um, yeah, amazing. You're lucky man. Um, what I'm going to segue into, Graham, is that we talk about like a, again being humans, knowing that you know humanity. I think is the ultimate strength when we all come together uh, in a time of, unfortunately, in time of crisis, which really kind of shows when we our humanness is. But you've um, you've developed a board game a few years ago called Crunch Time, and I know it was kind of spawned from the idea of what's happening with climate change. And I can't think, I'm, I don't know if it's just kind of coincidence, but a day when the UK is about to break records in terms of temperatures, um, what are your feelings, you know, what, what brought you around to creating Crunch Time, the board game? Well, I surmised in my 20s when I was at art school that uh, we're on a bit of a timeline on this. And um, about well, oh, 10, or, 10 or 12 years ago, I came up with the idea of Crunch Time and I uh, I drew up this board game um, and then I made a hundred copies about eight years ago and then it didn't seem quite in the zeitgeist at the time and and then about a year ago I got involved uh, I got uh, Alison of aforementioned uh, CEO of Silver and um, uh, 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 another colleague Lucy has got involved and and so we re re sort of revisited this and, and i think in the interim it gave us a chance to improve uh the game and so we really crafted it this time uh, and worked and reworked it based on feedback from the early early version one uh yeah. and, we, and we just uh, i've just got the print proof sitting on my desk um at home before we go to our first mock-ups and then hopefully we're going to be in the shops by christmas can you explain how it works and, and okay, you know, so, so what happens if you play the game and then we'll get into what happens if you buy it? Yeah. So um, if you if you uh, so so basically in the center of the game is the earth uh, with with um, with uh, some rainforests and, and uh, ice cap and you go around the board and your behavior damages the the rainforest and the ice cap and when that's all gone it's crunch time then you reverse play and your good behaviors and your good knowledge of the planet restore the their world to how it was and the winner is the the, the, the player who, who's done most to help um once we've got it in the shelves nick i'll i'll, I'll come on here and show you the 
Let's do that. Um, I'm, I'm very I'm, excited. I'm looking, it's looking really cool because I, you know, the key, the, the serious point behind, you know, how, how do you educate people? Uh, I think the best way is through play and gamification. So mm. ultimately, there's going to be an app. There's going to be uh, various aspects to the app. Uh, all the cards will have QR codes that will go off to help you find out more about what you can do as an individual to 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 be more cognitive. I mean. I was out cycling really early this morning with my neighbor and uh, his son is a, the, the, he's only 12 years old and I think he's 12 yeah he's a he's a triathlete which is why he uh, was beasting us on the on the hills and we were struggling to keep up with him um even at 12 and it was like he was like a machine but uh he, he's very cognitive uh, they're very cognitive uh, they have a great education system now at school where children are learning about behaviors and the effects on of climate change and so on there's no first generation who really are going to be massively impacted and like you say today is the day when it's going to come home to everybody that this is we've got to do some we've got to make some wholesale changes and so yeah. crunch time is about helping people understand so you know it's, it's through play and there's a winner and there's losers but but really it's about um finding out who oh, it's all going off now okay I thought if I turned the volume off, that wouldn't come through, but it's, it seems to be linked to the old... Um... Uh, yeah, I had to disconnect my laptop to my phone. I, I had to actually Google how to do it. Every time how do you do it? <laughs> <laughs> you go to FaceTime, go to the FaceTime icon, and then you can disconnect through FaceTime because it rings up through FaceTime. Oh, I see. They, they're responsible for a lot of stuff, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so so that's that's where uh that's where the game is at um yeah. and we're we're, we're going to be doing a bit of crowdfunding to raise its profile and also trying to get it onto the shelves of uh, so you know it's the antidote to monopoly which is capitalist uh capitalist game yeah you know it was it was funny because i think the reason why you and i actually got in contact again like five years ago was because i used to do board game nights in toronto through Right. I think he said, yeah, that was it. Because I used to post every Tuesday we did, or Wednesday we did a board game night. And I think that is something that we might be able to start working on together is board game nights in London, but we'll just play crunch time. Perfect. I like it. I like it. Yeah, let's do it. Have fun and help save the planet. Well, let's get people together in a community, accountability, and we'll have it around that particular thing of playing a board game. Like you said, it's just fun to play board games. Yeah. Um, but let's play a board game with a, with with some awareness to it because I think that's the thing is like you're creating awareness around what's going on. The other day, you know, I was going through and there was like, you know, how they advertise like the thing that's coming up, and I think it was the new David Attenborough film. I couldn't watch it. I couldn't click yes because I knew what it was going to say, and I think that's the thing, Graham. Is I'm scared. I'm scared. You know, when when you think that the 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 railway tracks are buckling under this heat infrastructure is just not built for this and you go wow there's a it's not just a it's a it's a momentous mountain to climb you know of the things that we're going to have to uh cope with in the in the next couple of decades it's scary and i think that's the thing i'm that, that's what comes to me i'm just scared. well i think i think we're scared because people generally don't like change and they certainly don't like the impact on their lifestyle you know i i think uh you know, I live life at 100 miles an hour and uh, my carbon footprint is horrendous. Uh, and uh, anybody that wants to take a shot at me has got plenty of target. Uh, and, 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 but, but 
does that stop me using my skills to draw awareness and to help educate um, in a way that I can help in some small way, I think. And that, and that it is a dichotomy, and I think most people feel 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 that as well, you know. Can technology get us out of this pickle? And the answer is, uh, it's going to be a combination of technology, consumer changes, uh, and, and environmental devastation, which forces our hand, uh, which we're seeing the effects of now. Um, you know, there are still climate deniers out there. Well, hopefully they're fading by the wayside now because, uh, you know, but, but we're suffering what African countries and uh, sub-Saharan countries have been suffering for a very long time, you know, hence migration of populations because you know, they, they live in unsustainable environments. Um, and we're very lucky to have a temperate climate with lots of rainfall. And then, you know, we're beginning to see that that's maybe not a given and that we can't be reliant on that forever. And so, and the population's grown from 1 billion 200 years, 150 years ago to 10 billion. So, you know, uh, or heading that way. Eight. Yeah. So, so, um, you know, something's got to give, and uh, and at the same time, we live in a consumerist world where people are creating more carbon, not less. So, even though there's net zero targets for 2030, there being some of those agreements are torn up, some of them targets are missed, lots of agreement, everyone feels good, and then they go away from the table, and things don't happen, and then. You know, uh, you know, it, it takes a Greta Thunberg to to bring us all back to uh, back to our senses, and then she gets fired by world leaders, and that's just disgusting. So, you know, we've got we got there's a challenge for sure is ahead of us, um, and hopefully I can play a small part in helping educate and have fun fun with it, and not get too depressed because. But I think education is the key, right? Uh, yeah, I think you're going to get depressed about things you don't know about, uh, that you fear. Uh, you know, uh, you, you can be if, if you have knowledge. Knowledge is power. If you know what you can do to make a difference and be empowered by that knowledge, then then that again for mental health is a really good thing. If you have nowhere to no knowledge and no 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 community to express your fears to uh then, yeah. then it can be a very solitary and lonely place so i think i think get get together yeah. discuss the problems don't don't say oh i don't want to play that it's depressing i only want to do fun stuff that's like only eating ice cream and not eating your vegetables that you know are good for you you know you've got to eat the i i <laughs> yeah i and i think you, you know that we need to come together and i think that, that, that from, from my understanding of systems and how we operate you know with the very very few rich older white folks kind of generating all of these political systems that we're all into so that more money is gone going to a small amount of people and i think once i become part of a community start thinking about decentralization and unplugging my world and my little tribe away from that stuff and i think the more people that do that i think that's when political and economical change will will start to drive changes because that's what needs to happen is that these these folks that run all these nine corporations that run the world need to know that they're going to start losing money by people becoming decentralized to the systems and i think that comes in community because once you start caring for your small like like the village around you um then you can do it like in a in a micro level and i think if a lot of people start doing that then it becomes macro change that's i don't know or we just or the, i don't know 
I just, like you said, I believe in humanity. I think we're all going to be okay. It's just going to be a bumpy road. Well, I, 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 I think there's optimism and then there's, uh, uh, it's good to be optimistic. It's important to be optimistic, um, but it's the, it's the definition or they say it's the definition of madness to do the same thing twice and expect a different result. So yeah. it makes no logical sense that, that if, if, you know, blind hope is not enough you know we have it our power to make a change so 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 blind hope is not enough and and if we're hoping that someone else is going to make the world a better place for us than ourselves then that is the blind hope that will lead us down the path to almost certain dissatisfaction so so i think we all need to face the facts we all need to really understand that unless we all change dramatically as individuals as society as community then we face a very challenged future and um you know but that's the facts you you can color it any which way you can turn the news off you can bury your head in the sand but but that won't stop the ice caps from completely disappearing in the next 20 years it won't stop the permafrost from melting and it won't stop uh global warming and it won't stop the rapid acceleration of global warming um, and it won't stop the pollution of the seas, and it won't stop the acidification of the seas and the smog in the air, and it won't stop the deforestation, the highest level of which occurred in 2021. And the only reason we know that it's the, the highest level of deforestation in Brazilian rainforests in 2021 is because we haven't had the answers for the 2022 that we're now living in. So, you know, switch off, turn off, won't change anything. Our behavior will change everything, and and uh, you know that those are the facts. And uh, you know, wish I could tell you something else. Well, I think that uh, as you say that too. I, I mean, I'm thinking about guys our age, right? We're in our fifties, and and you know, I don't know how much things are going to change over the next ten or twenty years. And it'd be really easy to kind of put our head in the sand and say, Do you know, what? it's not our problem. And um, and that's why I, I'm going back to imps. You know, I'm going back to these these youth. I'm going back to, you know, the three boys that are now in my lives and how much compassion from coming from guys like us needs to go towards them so that they can understand that, um, you know, uh, that there is hope, you know, and that they are beautiful people and that they deserve us to be able to be seen as doing something. We can't point fingers and point the blame and stuff and, and, and say that because of our parents, this happened, because of those parents, this happened. We just have to face the facts of what you said, which is today, that we know things are changing and we need to change. So um, I think it's in that thing of like generational coming together, you know, and that's, that's, that's something that I'm thinking about as you were talking, like we need to, as generations to open up our, and, and hold our hands to the, to the generation before us and the generation behind us to say that we are in this together and no one's going to just go and put our heads in the sand and run away. How can we do this together? Well, yeah, I think that's right. I think, I think, you know, we, 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 uh, we, we, it's in our power to change. It's in our power to make a difference. Um, but you, but we need to know how we can make a difference and we need to firstly educate ourselves. Firstly, we've got to understand what the problem is, work out how to get most efficiently from A to B um to to resolve 
the issues and uh and there are lots of people working on this so, mm-hmm. so we are not alone you know uh, if, if yeah. you contribute to the the fight back you are not going to be alone but i think i think uh these increasingly hot summers uh, only serve to remind us uh of where we're going and this isn't this isn't weather this is well it is weather but it, it's not it's not a weather um it's not weather it is climate change. there is climate underlying climate change underneath the weather you know i i i, I woke up this morning and i say what a beautiful day it's lovely yeah. uh, maybe better off not turning on the news where where the media uh tell you it's it's uh, it's the end of time um yeah. Because that is very depressing, but but you know you have to measure that you have to balance you know you have to balance information uh, with with what your own experiences are around you on a daily basis, uh, and not not become a, a conspiracy theorist, not become uh, a, a victim of uh, media saturation, but use logic and your own understanding of uh, basic science to to. To, uh, to really see, know, understand, and empower yourself to to make the difference you want to make, um, uh, and we're all individuals, and you know, collectively we have great great strength. Um, and I'm, I, I like you. I'm very positive, very optimistic, and I, I believe if we that we will find our way through this, um, and that we can find our way through this. And we live in a fantastic time in, in so many ways. You know, there's. There's far, you know, relatively, there's, there's the world is a, is a, is an incredible, incredible place statistically, uh, yeah. uh, in terms, in terms, in all sorts of ways. So I, you know, I think without getting into facts and figures and numbers, um, you know, but there are definitely big challenges ahead. Yeah, and I think that is beautiful. I think to be in a time of change is beautiful because we can be on the right side of it. And we can do the next right thing. So, uh, Graham, thank you so much for joining me again. When when you're ready to come on about crunch time, we can do another another talk. Let me know. Um, but how can people? Um, I'll put the links into the the the, the Facebook feed about imps. But um, if you just want to again remind people about imps. So imps impsonline.com is is the website to imps online, and then crunch time is playcrunchtime.com. So that's beautiful. It. That's yeah. simple. Yeah. Graham, you're a wonderful man. I'm glad to have you in my life. Uh, I really look up to you and, and you're awesome. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. And thanks everybody for joining us too. Uh, don't forget on Thursday, I've got two sessions. I've got a tough to tender gathering from 11 to 11.45 and then 11.45 to 12.15. We're going to do weekly sessions, little critical conversations around resiliency. So that's a free session. Just drop in. Uh, the, the Zoom link is in the Facebook feed. So I'll see you all then. Thanks a lot, Graham, and see you later. Bye. Thank you, Nick. Feel the same about you. Bye Bye. now, everyone.